episode 24 of the Stitchcraft podcast. I'm Miranda Williams. I'm Island. And uh sorry we've been gone so long. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a month. <laughs> Hope you missed yeah, us. Yeah, it's um it has been too long. Basically, we had uh work travel. Actually, both had work travel. Yeah. Um, at completely conflicting times. <laughs> so it wasn't like we both went on a trip at the same time. Cuz that'd been easy. But no, no never. No. Um, but I did get to see you before I went for my two week trip overseas and you kind of bookended this trip too. Like I just came back a week ago. True. Actually what it ended up happening, I think was that I had to come to Minneapolis for a work trip <laughs> to the day before you left on your work trip and we just couldn't make a recording work out. It was just not, it wasn't going to happen. It didn't happen. Obviously. You know what? The magic wouldn't be there. Not enough time to drink, not enough time to talk. We'd just be like, we're thankful to be here. Hooray. Hey, <laughs> uh, bye. Um, but we have a lot to talk about today. A lot to make True, up. because this weekend was Bogue Knitting Live in Minneapolis. Tink! Uh, it's a really big, it's, it's a really, real big deal. I can't believe <laughs> I don't spit out your cider. Um, <laughs> by the way, guys, we're recording together. It's pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> in person. And we've made hot apple cider with... With adult, uh, adult add-ins called Applejack. So anyways, um, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know why you're taking that long to just no, say it's, uh, it's apple cider with Applejack. I'm also not allowed to really talk this whole time, but I'm talking a lot and I need to stop. <laughs> I need to let Jesus take the wheel. This is a bad, bad moment in time. Anyways, so Vogue Knitting Live was a three-day event. Well, actually it's still happening tomorrow, but I have to drive back to Iowa, so I will not be able to attend tomorrow. But it is a really... I'm going to say it's like a, um, it's a big gathering and they do them throughout the United States, but they haven't done Minneapolis, I don't think. I think they, they might have done it before, but not as often as they do New York or like a, one of the West, West Coast, Coast states. Yeah. And you know, what's really cool about it is that not only is it curated by the Vogue um, Knitting Magazine staff, but it has really, really, really cool people doing it. So like, okay. And, and we will get back to that later. Fair enough. Well... <laughs> I had a lot of experiences to talk about, but anyways, it's true. But you know, what's going to happen? I can sense it already. Is that you're going to go down the rabbit hole of talking about <laughs> Vogue Knitting Live, and then realize that we never covered what's in our cup. Oh my gosh, yes, because <laughs> yeah, because just... we we haven't done this in long enough that we've lost our system. <laughs> but we're back. I'm here for you. <laughs> so we are going to talk about what's in our. This will be brief because we have the same thing in our cups. <laughs> I sound silly. Anyways, um, so I don't know what's in your cup. <laughs> I'm looking at it. I gave it to you. <laughs> so we used uh, the uh, A, not the A, Bon Appetit, Bon Apple Teeth <laughs> recipe for mulled cider. So Miranda got some um, apple cider from, it's, it looked like it was from a local um, yeah. cidery. It's the... It's the Pine Tree Apple Farm, which confuses you when you see it because you're like, it's the Pine Apple Farm? <laughs> it's the Pine Apple Tree Farm. It's the Pine Tree Apple Farm uh, near White, in White Bear Lake, actually, just north of cool. here. 
So, and it's a really famous one here in Minnesota because it's probably like one of the closest, like good old fashioned apple orchards that you could still drive to and not hate your life. And I guess mm-hmm. everybody in town goes to that one. So cool. But it's really, really nice. I yeah. like it a lot. So it was a gallon of that plus some uh, nutmeg, allspice, cinnamon sticks, cloves, and then you also added um, orange peel. Orange peel, yep. Um, and we mixed, we heated that up and mixed it with a little bit or a lot bit of Applejack, <laughs> depending on your personal tastes. For being a house that has alcohol in it, we don't have shot glasses, so that was a good old guess. <laughs> There's a whole lot of pouring and not not sure. So no, anyways. Measuring, yeah. Um, but it, it is delicious and it is good to have it because it is unseasonably cold here yes. in Minnesota. Brutal. Like it skipped over November and December and went straight to like mid January. It sucks. It really sucks. And I love that it. it just, the snow started upon your drive here. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. Great. Awesome. So I had to dig out the boots that I definitely didn't plan on digging out of the uh, closet anytime soon. And I was like this sucks but here we are we're all right <laughs> yeah and since i've been here we have gone to a couple of local breweries as well that i would like to acknowledge yes um so we went to indeed mm-hmm. which i've had an indeed beer before but i'd never been to the indeed brewery so that was super nice um and i think the thing that i had there that was the most interesting to me was that they had a uh a style of beer that I've never tried before, the Brute IPA. I think theirs is called like the High and Dry. It's, it's definitely called the High and Dry. <laughs> <laughs> Brute IPA. Um, and it was interesting. It was uh, not like they, they, I think, let it ferment until like pretty much all the sugar is gone. So hence the dryness. Um, and so you get a lot of hops, which they say that it comes without the bitterness as well. And I'm not sure that's totally the experience that I had, but it was definitely, um, not that kind of like punch you in the face bitterness that you get from IPAs. So, so yeah, that was, that was a cool and interesting experience. Um, I think you had some of their like specialty seasonal ones. Yeah. I want to say it was called like a, a Taurus. Mm -hmm. Taurus. Taurus was like their blackberry or some kind of berry mix. Mm -hmm. Um, Saison, mm-hmm. which I'm not a, I'll admit that I don't really love sour beers, but it's not all Saisons are sours. They're farm ale, so it's like, there could be some sourness, but not, not to the point where you're like, it's a palate wrecker, it's going to destroy everything else you, you drink that night. And it was really good, and I was definitely like, this is Mama's Juice, it's so good. <laughs> and it was served in a tall, fancy glass. I was it like, was. this is for those who aren't super into you know, hoppy beers. This mm-hmm. is really good. And I think Indeed, we've talked, I already waxed on about Indeed, but I really do think they have a great beer selection. They move with the times. And I find that their their ingredients are really just, they're nice and different, but not weird. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm always like, oh, I'm excited to try whatever that is versus, I don't know, that one melon. Too oh. far. Yeah. <laughs> just... <laughs> It's a weird thing that I just, not. I don't want corn. No, I don't know what this is. Yeah. So um, I do like Indeed quite a bit. Yeah. And then today we went to uh, La Doña Cerveceria, which you said is in near north? It's in near north. Uh, it's just north of Minneapolis. I would say north of Minneapolis. It's off mm-hmm. of Glenwood Avenue. So people who know that area. But um, that was really cool. I thought that their 
space was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that they're, it's still so new that I can't, they're not at full capacity to me. I have a feeling they're going to have a lot more beers to offer. They're going to have a lot more events going on. Um, and we did miss the micheladas mm-hmm. that they would make with their beers. But I think that everything that we had was pretty good. I mean, kind of straightforward, but good. Yeah, I mean, I think they sort of focus on... So when we were there, they had nine beers on tap, which is not a small number by any means, but they had kind of um, what I would say are... Um, Again, not the type of beers that have a bunch of weird ingredients where you're not quite sure what to do with them. They had like a Mexican lager. They had a couple IPAs that were done slightly differently. They had a blonde ale, um, a brown ale with coffee. Um, and I feel like the the lagers that they had, like the Mexican style lagers they had, were actually uh, remarkably flavorful for what I'm used to from yeah. a Mexican style lager. So I don't know if it's just that I've been having shitty loggers this whole time or if they're really doing something special but either way what they had was really good um and they had a food truck outside called Ketal that was serving pupusas that were delightful so good and I haven't had a pupusa in the midwest in a long time I know that there's places to get them I'm not gonna be like I can't find them I just haven't (laughs) had them so that and of course yuca fries which Mm -hmm. Everything goes together really well. And that stuff always goes together well with beer. So that's why I was like, mm-hmm. perfect place. The funniest part about, though, that whole spot was that it was just really beautiful and colorful. And they had lots of cool stuff within there. And you could just tell it's a really great scene. But they have a teeny, tiny football field. <laughs> yeah. And so people are playing football, like soccer. and they're But it's like one-on-one. And it's... I, right outside the bar. <laughs> right outside the bar in the snow. I was like, are you serious right now? And people are all standing outside just drinking going, yeah, there it is. Well, I think, and, they, I think we get we got, today was like their championship day or oh, something. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. I was like, why are all these dudes here in the cold? I don't get it. And then yeah. people were like warming up inside the bar with their soccer ball, or sorry, their football. They're just like, and I was like, all right, cool. It was busy. I just thought it was funny that like the snow did not deter. Nope. Not one bit. I I highly recommend going there. I think I also like that it was not. It's close enough to everything else that you can definitely go there. You can take an Uber there or a Lyft. I, but I also like that it is not directly a part of other bar scenes, Mm -hmm. so that you can park. You could really enjoy. You could spend some time there. Mm -hmm. So and it looks like they have a distillery that's going to be going in next door as well at some point. I don't think it belongs to them. I think it's another company, but. So there'll be a couple things there that are kind of together, but yeah, they have sufficient parking, which is nice. Um, and just a different, a different vibe. Like they're trying to sort of, how do they describe themselves as a for benefit, um, brewery, meaning that they're trying to raise money and do cool things to build community, uh, which I think is really neat and to sort of like, um, highlight what, um, you know, the Mexican cuisine and Mexican beer has to bring to the area, um, where there, you know, there are not a lot of, uh, of Mexican breweries that I'm aware of, um, nope. in Minnesota. I think our, our Lyft driver was telling us that as far as he knows, there's only two, um, Latino owned breweries here. And I think that's one of them. So that's really awesome. Yeah. So, uh, I'm definitely going to explore it more. Mm-hmm. I think that one's worth it. And there is an embarrassment of riches. We say this often. 
in the Midwest of like really great breweries, distilleries, scenes that are happening that you can go and enjoy and just literally take a day away from any bar that you normally are just tired to death of. So if you just have the time and you can drive and you can do it, it's almost like wineries at this point. Like you make a day of it, have some Mm -hmm. fun, try stuff out. They just want your business. So I liked it a lot. Thank you for, you found that one actually. I got to give you that one to you because I had never heard of it. And then a couple other people were like, I don't know it, but our Lyft driver was in. He, he knew about it. He was really excited about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was in our cup. Well, I say that was in our, our cups for the whole weekend. Yes. It was pretty good. Um, so, so now, so now we can, we can loop back to the thing that you were super excited <laughs> about talking about, which I am too. Well, um, I was going to say, it's kind of a work in progress. Like it is, we had, this is, is a good segue because I'm definitely still in progress on my new skill. On yes. My new talent. Um, definitely not a talent. Let me be real. I'm just not even a skill yet. Uh, my <laughs> new experience. <laughs> um, do you want me to start? Well, I was going to say, you know, we did, we did decide to go to Vogue Knitting Live partially because it was in Minneapolis and partially because they had um, classes that you and I could take together that were beginner level classes that ha- for skills that neither you nor I had. Um, and what we had really focused on was Shibori. And then, um, unfortunately, the woman who was teaching the majority of the dying classes for Vogue Knitting Live had a, a death in her family and had to cancel at the last minute. So suddenly we had to pick classes and there really weren't any classes that we could take. To, there are classes we could have taken together, but it would not have been a lot of fun for one or the other of us. So we decided to split up. Um, and I think that we both had a really good experience with that, even if it was something that we hadn't originally planned to do. So agreed. Um, so I will start because this is where I was going. Like there's a lot of famous instructors for these Vogue knitting live events and you kind of, you know, the price is a little high to go. It's not, you know, it's not just a craft like marketplace. There's classes and there's lectures and there's a lot to see and, and to be a part of. And so it was interesting that when our class got canceled, luckily I saw the email and I was like, Oh shoot, we got to pick something out. And upon going through the list, and I was just trying to go with a time that we already had planned, but as I was going through and I was, you know, telling Island, I'm like, oh, there's this class and there's this class. And I was just looking for anything I could do because I'm not a serious knitter at all. I'm not, I'm barely a knitter. And I was like, uh, everything's intermediate. Everything's like advanced beginner. What the fuck does advanced beginner mean, by the way? <laughs> not, okay. not a beginner. Yeah. That means not a beginner. So stop it. Anyways, I was so mad about that. Um, advanced beginner. Okay, <laughs> where do I measure this? I'm breathing, I'm present, I know what yarn is. Um, anyways, so the class that I saw that came up at the same time was called Hooking Up, Learn to Crochet, and Make a Cute Lacy Scarf. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. It's, it sounds like an ultimate beginner class, like crochet, dig it, I can't wait. And as I'm saying the instructor to Island, I was like, it's uh, it's taught by Debbie Stoller, and she, and immediately I was like, oh, yes. Oh, you should do that. That's going to be so fun. And I'm like, well, well, don't go, yes, and not tell me why. Like, you just were like, yeah, you should do that. It's so fun. And then Island explained that um, not only did Debbie Stoller write a few books, she wrote really famous books that kind of brought the whole idea of these kind of domestic arts <laughs> and handcrafts back to the fore for our generation. She wrote Stitch and Bitch 
as well as the happy hooker. She is also one of the major figureheads, I think the found one of the founders. Yeah, of, one of the co-founders. Co-founders of Bust Magazine, which is still present, still mm-hmm. being published, and is still a big part of my growing up. As far as um, when Sassy was done, I had to go someplace else. <laughs> and darn it, Marie, Marie Claire is not doing it. So um, Bust be, is such a bigger part of how I saw my world as a feminist and also saw my world as how we create and and live in the space that we are. And I just love that they often talked about DIY art in there. They often talked about different ideals and different, um, just different ways of doing things. So I highly appreciate it. So the fact that I got to learn crochet from a fucking feminist master, I was like, what? I was literally, as I was going into my class, I was like, I hope she touches my hands. Like, I can't wait. And I, oh my God. <laughs> Do you? And then the reality. Set in. <laughs> like, you can't be a hard feminist. You can't be a real feminist without being a hard, hard lady. Like, like you can't be her and done all that you've done without also having to put your foot down and be who you have to be to get it. Like, I'm reaping the benefits of all of her hard labor as far as, like, oh, Bus Magazine just happens to exist. Cool, great. Like, you know, that probably took a really long time to get. Mm -hmm. She getting her books published about, um, you know, stitching, uh, like, uh, sorry, not the stitching bitch, like the bringing knitting back, knitting circles back, as well as, like, crochet happy hooker that's a funny title but i'm sure a lot of publishers were like i don't want to do that so she's done a lot of things to get out there so you can only expect that she cracked the whip (laughs) she cracked the crochet hook on me she (laughs) she starts her class and she's like i could be a little bossy (laughs) and i was like oh i don't like that word but she was like you know i can be a little straightforward in my approach and she's like and i want us all to do this together so when uh, someone's not done yet, we're all just going to wait and we're going to keep going when everyone's done and we're doing it together. And I was like, "Ooh, okay. Like camping with this woman has got to be a scene. <laughs> going to the beach with this woman, it's going to be a scene. It's going to be a deal. Right. So I, oh my God, the best part about it, I won't go into all of the detail of like how I felt in the class and stuff, but it was just awesome to see her work because she is really good at describing things. She is really good at like telling people at square one how to do something, especially seasoned knitters. People who go to the Vogue Knitting Live events, they're pros. They're on the verge. If they aren't doing something in a professional way, they are so close and so skilled that when you go to the Crochet 101 class... It's been a long time since you were a beginner. Yeah. Oh, you were going to be a toddler putting together building blocks. Like It was so wild to see so many talented women just apply the knitting logic to all things crochet, which you cannot. And I just, there were so many sighs. There was a lot of swearing at one point. <laughs> and it's not because of Debbie. It's because of us. You know, we were all just like, ah! and I just, here I was just so panicked that I was going to be awful. But it was a bunch of other women who are just like, I know what the fuck I'm doing. I know what the fuck I'm doing, <laughs> but not here. <laughs> and it was at one point, you know, Debbie comes over to this woman and she'd been helping this woman a lot in this class. And I struggled a lot, but she came over to this woman a lot because I think this woman asked for help a lot mm-hmm. and also just visibly looked 
exasperated. Distraught. <laughs> Distraught. And she would come over to her and finally, the, the next time, like the last time that she came over to this woman, the woman's like, you know, I'm just going to tell you right now what I'm working on is not the sampler. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing something different. And we all are just laughing our asses off because she gave up. She gave up because she had to. She just, she was like, I can't. I'm doing my best and I can't do it anymore. And I was just blown away by watching these crazy talented women really struggle like with the way I had but I will admit and I'm looking at the phone like you're a dear best friend and I'm going to give you the, the tea but I I almost cried and I almost walked out because it was so hard and I'm sure everyone learned crochet from their grandma or from their mom when they were really young or maybe they learned it at camp well I didn't so I didn't no one offered it to me I never asked I am late in the game and this is like this it's a whole it's like learning a language so anyways I was getting so frustrated and I was following as best as I could I'm looking at stuff I'm asking my my classmates and I think I put my crochet needle down real hard it was just like tank on the table <laughs> and Debbie Stoller by the way there's only 20 people in the class the woman could see me she hears me she knows I'm making jokes yucking it up in the back <laughs> And she comes over to me. She's like, how's it going? And I was like, not good. Going to cry. Going to leave. <laughs> and she was like, no, no, you're not going to cry. You're not going to leave. And I was like, like, I was just breathing, just barely holding on with a fucking crochet hook or a tiny sampler of a lacy scarf. Someone out there is laughing their asses off. <laughs> no, and- <laughs> I'm right here laughing my ass off. So I, she shows me. That I did this entire row wrong because I thought we had to dive into the V. No, she was like, no, hook it under the V. Y'all, anyone who crochets will understand that. But guess what? Everyone else like me doesn't understand that because I definitely did something else. She's like, you know, that's a different move in crochet, but we're not requesting that right now. It's not about that right now. And I was like, oh, okay. And it's, and I wanted her just to like, tell me like, it's wrong. Like as, you know. Island said when I told her the story, she was like, you know, you're art school kid. Like, give it to me straight. <laughs> I can take it. You're used to the art school critique, which yes. is that that thing you did, it's bad. Stop it. Undo it. Do, do it, it again. again. <laughs> yeah. I'm so ready. I'm like ready to rip it out. She's like, no, you're fine. Just, we're going to build on top of it. And, she, and at one point she just kept seeing everyone, just the yank of the yarn. <laughs> everyone is undoing what they did, slamming their crochet hook down. And finally she just told everyone in the last half hour of the class, she's like, no more pulling out. We're just going to build on top. I don't care what's below it. <laughs> and I was just like, this is getting out of control. BS, she has taught this class many times. She has taught millions, not millions. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Who knows how many people have her book? Um, but she's taught many people. And I definitely was like, I did learn. I learned. And there was a girl in front of me who was very skilled, my age. And she got up and walked out twice. Twice she had to put her shit down and walk out and then come back to it. And she <laughs> finished her sampler. Yeah, she. I never walked out. I just panicked and sweated through my t-shirt and just and then listen to other women who are very skilled and very talented struggle just the same it was great but I will admit my head hurt my brain physically hurt I feel I have new pathways I am probably 90% sure I'm not going to get dementia now because I've learned a new language 
But like, you know how everyone's like, you know, way to stave off dementia, learn something new with your hand, like hand-eye coordination and the language and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, learn crochet. Holy shit, that just hurt my brain so hard. <laughs> I felt like a kid on the first day of school, like ready to pass out at 5 p.m. I couldn't believe it. Like we were all exhausted. No one said goodbye. It was nice to meet you. Everyone just walked out just broken. <laughs> it was so funny. I, everyone's like, thank you. Cool. But I got my ass handed to me by Debbie Stoller. So that's cool. <laughs> when everyone's like, who taught you how to crochet? Oh, you know, only the most important woman in, in stitching. The most important person, you know, the face of this. Um, yeah. So that was my experience. <laughs> I'm here and I can do it. <laughs> My experience is a little different. <laughs> I had a different kind of time. <laughs> so my struggle was uh, there weren't any classes that I physically would have been incapable of taking. And we had found out early enough um, that we were changing classes that I was actually able to, before driving up here, um, pick out all the materials that we needed from my own stash at home. So, you know, yeah. we were fine. Um, but what I didn't have time for is that some of the classes had homework, like you were supposed to have prepared, like these are the advanced level classes. You were supposed to have, uh, done a little bit of homework to make sure that you had, um, the right size needles to go with your yarn for a certain type of project. And for most people, the homework would have taken them like maybe two or three hours and it would have been fun homework. Like, oh, practice this, practice this, and then bring it into class and we'll talk about it together. Well, I didn't have the time for that. So um, that meant that there were some classes that I thought looked really cool that I could not take. Um, so one of them, there was a class from Anna Maltz, who is uh, a consistent columnist for Pom Pom Quarterly. And as you guys know, I fucking love that magazine. <laughs> I love Anna Maltz. I love I like what she writes about. Like, I think she's brilliant and wonderful. Um, but in order to, her class was on making something from her Marlisle book, which is a technique that she developed, um, for marling in a way that makes it look kind of like Fair Isle, which is super cool. Um, but in order for to take her class, you had to have practiced with your two yarns so that you could get the right gauge to do the project. And you had to have the pattern, which means you had to have had her book, which I did not have time to go buy. Um, and then what was the other one? There was um, a class from Franklin Habit, who is, yeah, um, he's written uh, comics and a column for... Knitty Magazine, uh, Lion Brand Yarn. Um, he's super funny and just really engaging as a writer, at least. Um, I pres I've heard that his classes are really funny and charming as well. Um, but his was on mosaic knitting. So it was another one where you had to have practiced with your yarns to make sure that they Worked you had together. the right, yeah, the right everything. So that in, when you got to the class, you could actually... Um, do the things in the class that you were supposed to be doing. Like he was teaching you how to not only do mosaic knitting, but draft your own mosaic knitting patterns. Um, so all you guys listening, if you've ever wondered whether or not Vogue Knitting Live was worth it, totally. <laughs> the instructors are awesome. The classes looked really awesome. I just didn't have the time to plan in advance for some of the really awesome classes that were available. Had we 
had we understood that our class might have been canceled, maybe we would have. But yeah. also, like, now that we've gone to this event, I think I would plan a class a day. Yeah. Now that I know, like, how intensive or not intensive it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Those kind of things. Yeah. Um, so the class that I decided to take was um, a class with Cecilia Campuciaro, who developed sequence knitting. And in brief, sequence knitting... In theory, sounds very simple. It's basically um, you take a sequence of knits and purls, um, and it can be very simple. Like knit one, purl one is technically a sequence, and that would give you a one-by-one rib if you do it over an even number of stitches. If you do it over an odd number of stitches, it gives you, I think, seed stitch, something like that. So that's a sequence. Well, she discovered, as she is herself a uh, mathematician and um, what is she, she worked in high tech for a really long time. Um, We actually found out that she just retired from that job to devote herself full time to her creative work, which I think is awesome. So cool. But for a long time, she worked in high tech in Silicon Valley and um, the math of it always really fascinated her. So she spent this time developing... um, the ideas around how you use sequence knitting to build textures that you like and that you use these sequences to build an emergent texture that you wouldn't necessarily have um, predicted from the sequence that you have. And so the class that I took was on creating triangular shawls, um, which again is something that I don't typically think of as being that interesting. Like a triangular shawl is like a, it's a triangle. Like it's how interesting can that be? And it turns out it can be super interesting. <laughs> um, and she has all these design principles that she teaches you in the class so that you can make a shawl that has an interesting texture with color work or not, depending on what you enjoy without a pattern. So you, you are inventing the pattern as you go. And as long as you follow certain specific principles, you will get a beautiful object at the end. And so she, she taught us about how to make sure that the yarn that you have and the needles that you've chosen are going to give you a uh, fabric that is going to lay the way you want it to lay for a triangular shawl. Um, and... Uh, she also talked a bit about um, colors and how you use like uh, the histogram of a black and white picture to help you understand what contrast colors will work well with the variegated yarn that you've chosen or something like that. Like it was just, it was super cool. And I had picked the class basically because number one, um, she's the person who developed the technique. And so I thought it would be awesome to learn it from her. And the other reason was that I was always intrigued by it because it sounded so simple. Like sequence knitting, if if you say it just what it is, which is that you use a repetitive sequence of knits and purls to develop a texture, it doesn't sound hard. But every, when her book came out, so she self-published her book, and it must have been like, I don't know, two years ago, three years ago, maybe. Um, and when that book came out, everybody who had the book was like, oh my God, this is so cool. And I was like, how can it? be that interesting the description took you like 15 seconds to explain the concept to me and it, I just don't understand how you make a book out of that I don't understand how that's bigger than the sum of its parts and so I was just really intrigued because like I said it's something that um I couldn't quite figure out how it was a 
a thing, <laughs> really. Um, and then I went to the class and it's a thing. It's really neat. It's really neat to see in the class as you do these things and as she teaches you like how to use the technique to make a thing, watching it emerge, watching it like develop as an emergent property of something very simple is really cool. Like it's just really cool to watch it happen. And as the class was doing it, um, we had people from a wide variety of ages and skill levels and experience levels. Um, like some people in the class owned her book. Some people in the class had never heard of it before. Um, and they had just picked it because it seemed interesting and they liked triangular shawls and they were like, sure, whatever, a triangular shawl. Like didn't, you know, <laughs> it was just a wide variety of folks. Um, and it was really cool to see basically, especially with the sample that we were starting, you know, we didn't have enough time to make a full shawl. As you start, it's really hard to see the pattern emerge when it's right in front of your face because you're looking at individual stitches trying to figure out if you've made a mistake or something. But what she would do is she would come up and she would pick up your piece from in front of you and carry it across the room. And once she got halfway across the room, you could see the emergent pattern it had to get a certain distance away from it's you. like a magic eye. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Because you would see the shadows developing that you hadn't seen up close. And it was just unlike the the sort of like <sighs> size that were <laughs> in your classroom. In my classroom, it was a little more like, <gasps> you know, like you Hooray! could tell when somebody could see it because there would be like this aha uh-huh. moment. Like, oh, I get what's happening. Um and one of the things that was cool about it is there was somebody in the class who, um, on the warm-up session, had made an error, which had led to a completely different pattern. And the truth with these, um, with sequence knitting, is that there really isn't any, there's no error unless you don't like it. That's the only error, is that you've made a thing that you don't really like. But if the woman who made that error had just continued the error the whole way through, she would have made a shawl. And it would just be a shawl with a different pattern than the one that we were supposed to have been making. But as long as you like it, who knows that you made a mistake? Like, exactly. nobody knows that it was a mistake. It's still it's, happening. It is still a thing. It's just a different thing. Um, and she, as the woman who had this happen, um, pointed out, she said, well, even with that error, I now, I think I understand better what you're trying to teach us because of the error that I made. I think if I had not made that error, it would be hard for me to visualize the difference between what I was supposed to have done and what I did. Um, and that was cool for the rest of us because then the rest of us got to see it also, yeah, um, which was really neat. Um, and I can say, you know, just um, about um, Cecilia Campuchero as a person, like as an instructor, she is, she's charming, she's funny, but she's also really patient. And she's really positive and she's, um, like we had somebody in the class who also was supposed to, she was there uh, with her sister's in-law and was supposed to be taking the dyeing class as well. And then hadn't found out that her class was canceled until they arrived. So she had no materials. A bunch of the classes were already (laughs) full. And so she came to the class as a person whose only skill set in knitting was the knit stitch. She didn't know how to increase. She didn't know how to cast on. She didn't know how to do any of that stuff. And so she had come to class just to quote unquote observe. Oh. 
And so, um, it's a hard, whenever someone says, oh. I'm here to observe and you're just like, ouch, no. <laughs> and, and that was the response basically was, um, we had, you know, the class got started and, um, the instructor said basically, well, if you want to observe, that's totally fine. But I, I'm pretty sure that we can get you started on this. It'll just be slightly different from what everybody else is doing. It'll just be matched to the things that you are comfortable doing. And sure enough, like all the rest of us got started and she and the instructor went to her own bag and pulled out her own needles and yarn and walked it back to this woman who didn't know how to cast on. And she cast on for her and showed her a couple of rows of what she was supposed to do, taught her how to increase, and then just said, you know, go from there. And by the end of the class, she had a sample that was as big as our sample. It was just a completely different pattern because it was matched to the thing that she knew how to do and would have fun doing potentially. Um, and at first she was really quiet, but then as the class went on, uh, she started making conversation with the people around her and, you know, it was just a really, it was a really nice experience. It was a really, really nice experience. Um, and yeah, I just, it was not the, the class that I had planned to take, but I would highly recommend if anybody's thinking about it to do it. Um, I, I, I would like to add though, like when you were saying like, oh, this girl, you know, she came to this class and she wasn't really prepared, <laughs> mentally prepared or physically prepared with any of these, you know, components. And then near, you know, halfway through the class, she started making more conversation and getting along and she came out with a product. I think that is a very true statement about everyone who attended this event, at least from what I could tell, because it was a lot of different levels of people and knitters. I didn't know this, but they're a very sociable, sweet, very open-minded group. And I felt like everyone was in a great mood. I didn't, there was no weirdness anywhere. Everyone wants to talk to you, whether they're selling you yarn, they're teaching you something, or you're in your, like just talking to other women, or I say women, people, there's lots of different types of folks there, but I'd be like, oh my God, your sweater is so great. Can you tell me about it? And they just want to tell you, they're like, I bought this pattern in 1970 and I made it three times. And let me tell you about the wool, the wool's peace wool. And I'm like, oh my God, like it stuck with me. I have no idea what anything else about it, but this woman had so much to say. It's a very sociable group. And they want everyone to succeed. Mm-hmm. No one ever wants to be like, I outknitted you. Like, no. maybe maybe I outstyled you, but like, <laughs> everyone wants you to do it. No one wants you to ever walk away in frustration. No one ever wants you not to be a part of the group. And the fact that like, in the marketplace at Vogue Knitting Live, free knitting classes. Like, literally tables, stop in, drop in, figure it out, we'll be there for you. Like, mm-hmm. it's very, very, very uh, different than I expected. I kind of expected to be a little elitist. Maybe this is my fashion world coming in where like, Mm. if you don't know, you better ask somebody like, (laughs) good luck, sink or swim. And here they're like, we got you. You want some floaties? You want, you want a drink? You want to hang out? You want to learn something? Like, I felt like it was very much a, um, a sociable atmosphere. It was just Mm -hmm. really positive. So that's, I'm so glad that your classmate made a project, was a part of it and got into it and didn't give up. And I also am really glad that no one in my class actually gave up like we all thought. <laughs> I just love that when I said I was like, I'm going to cry, I'm going to leave. <laughs> the way I said it, I was like, sorry, I'm going to cry, I'm going to leave. And I'm going to hit happy hour real early. Sorry. <laughs> and everyone was like, right? Like, people around me were like, uh-huh, that sounds like a good idea. But we all just sat there and tried our hardest. And it felt very humbling <laughs> to be surrounded by 
so many people also struggling, but also refusing to completely give up. And then the instructor going, not today, girl, no, (laughs) not on my watch. (laughs) So I feel like Debbie Stoller and your instructor might be worlds apart. Who knows? We don't know. But I do feel like they all have a want for everyone to do it. Yeah. Well, this is the first... um actual knitting event that I've been to. So I've been to fiber festivals before Mm -hmm. and I've taken other classes at uh, fiber festivals, which are also super fun. Um, so I took a class on, um, drop spindling Mm -hmm. and a class on, um, dyeing yarns with, um, Kool-Aid and things like that, like non-toxic food dyes and things like, and, um, those, I, I'm pretty sure all those classes I took at, um, the Ann Arbor, Fiber Festival or the Southeast Michigan Fiber Festival, which is a good one. It's a really good one. But it is not um, craft specific. It's just like fiber in general. So they have live animals. They have these classes. They have people who do um, spinning, weaving, knitting, crocheting. Felting. Yeah. The world. And so... um, because everybody is doing something so different from each other, um, everybody's super friendly, but it's not quite as um, I don't know, unified, for lack of a better word. Yeah, the content the, is a little yeah, the content is is disparate diverse. enough. Yeah. Um, whereas at this one, everybody pretty much was a knitter or a crocheter, and they may have had other skill sets as well. Um, but because it was focused around knitting, it was very easy to walk up to somebody and just say, I love that thing you're wearing. Can you tell me about this? Um, how do you like that? Like, I just saw you were trying that yarn or I saw you were trying that thing. Like, what do you think? Um, and it was just very easy and very sociable, um, like you said. So it was good. I, I This is the first time I've gone to like an actual knitting event and I I had a really good time. I would go back. Mm-hmm. I think I'd go back. I also think for someone who doesn't knit and I don't plan on doing a ton of projects, I still really love the the atmosphere, the trend that you see. Mm-hmm. I love seeing people's style. I also love seeing like just because I'm in fashion, I also just love seeing the actual trends of people and what where yarns are going, what people want to hear, what people want to buy, what makes their stuff so different and just learning about the fibers themselves. I just I didn't know a lot. So I loved learning that with you. I also loved, um, you know, we can talk more about other folks there that were really fun to, you know, watch and to hear about. Um, But I would definitely go back because I think it's just for the price. It seems expensive at first, but you can really walk away with a lot of knowledge. And I think having people hand, you know, touching your work, touching your actual needle looking at your yarn, looking at you going, not a good fit. You know, like, and you're like, got it. I will never forget this, Debbie. Thank you. <laughs> but she did compliment you on the yarn that you chose. Very good for, for visible stitches. But um, it was just very, um, you can't, you can't always do that on YouTube. There is a lot yeah. of great digital resources. I don't ever want to undercut that. But, you know, it's the next closest thing to grandma. It's mm-hmm. the next closest thing to like a loved one showing you. And then, and then some, like yeah. just learning and building off of techniques. If you're already at this level that you're bored by certain things or you're like, I can do that. Duh. This was next level stuff. 
It was really next level. And I'm not saying my crochet class was like next level, but I'm just saying like what I saw people walk away from, what people were learning about, it also encompassed uh, business development, brand development, like things that people wanted to do to take their craft to the next level. You know, it's a one-stop shop for people who are really into this. Yeah, the guy who, there was a guy there, Josh Bennett, who was one of the designers on um, Black Panther, like doing knitwear design for um, Black Panther. And I think he may have also done some stuff on Thor. And he had a class that was a multi-session class on branding um, and keeping like a unified vision for your work, which I think if you're somebody who's trying to build this into a small business is awesome. You know, that is, that's a really awesome thing to learn from somebody who has succeeded at that, right? Um, and there were also um, classes on, um, a, like, modifying the things that you find to make them suit you better or design. Like, one of them was on, like, sweater design, like, how to actually up your own game as a designer rather than just someone who is... Um, who executes a pattern. Executes a pattern for themselves. Yeah. So it was a lot of different levels of skill and interest in this as a business versus a personal hobby, you know, that type of thing, which I thought was super cool. Um, and it is quite a bit different from, um, like, fiber festivals that I've been to, which really are basically there for the, the people who are selling product and the people who want to purchase the product. And there's not necessarily a lot of, like, teaching about the job. Um, yeah. Which was really cool. So yeah, I think we had each picked to only take one class because I wasn't sure how I would feel about the classes. I'd never really done that before. And I thought, you know, there are a bunch of other things going on at the conference or this event. And I didn't want to fill myself up on classes and then miss, you know, the marketplace or make myself really exhausted or, you know, miss other events but I think you're right I think in future I would probably plan to take more classes because that was definitely the highest yield part and I underestimated how much I would enjoy them I think um and now that I know that it needs a little prep time to get the most out of your classes it's a different it's a different thing like I would definitely like plan better so that I'm ready with my questions I'm ready with my materials I bring other things with me just in case I could ask about this or do something mm-hmm. different. I think there was a lot of uh, preparation that could go into it that would be fun. Um, the other thing I'll add is that being able to kind of touch the stars, and I say that because certain some of them are stars. Like mm-hmm. the Stephen B., who is here from Minneapolis, who has created his own little empire, is quite uh, a known like force in this world, as well as he is just... He is his own entity that people look for and are drawn to. Mm-hmm. And some of his classes were hilarious. Like, the descriptions are like, Stephen's the, the yarn whisperer, the sweater whisperer. And he's like, not even the sweater whisperer, just like the yarn whisperer. And, like, and he's like, I'll tell you what colors are good for you, what yarns are good for you with the projects that you like. Bring me your best project, I'm going to tell you what else you're going to like. Like, it was just fascinating that he had an entire class like, I'm going to tell you more about you. <laughs> and I was like, that's a class, but there's someone out there who needs to know it because maybe mm-hmm. they only go to smaller, you know, events or maybe they don't ever go to other events. They live in a rural area. They go to like their closest, you know, Joann's to pick up stuff and they order yarn online or the store that they have that isn't near them is a certain type of store. They don't have different things that, you know, that might be offered at this place. 
So um, it was a very wild experience to see so many different types of people, all ages, all... Um, I'm not going to act like it wasn't a bunch of women. It was a lot of women. And at one point, we, the the crowd was addressed like, ladies, please don't leave. And we were like, there's men here. Like, you and I both looked around like, there's guys. Yep. <laughs> but, um, you know, there is predominantly, it's a little bit more women focused. But it um, it was just really great to see so many different types of people, so many different styles be there. I think that was really great. Yeah. So, big thumbs up for that. Yes. We talked a lot about that. Um, it's but, true. <laughs> was the focus of our weekend um but we also made a non-vogue knitting live related stop to mm-hmm. one of miranda's local uh craft shops yes it's called knit and bolt and ta- i think we've mentioned it before we have early on we had talked about knit and bolt when i first moved to minneapolis um but knit and bolt is great it's got uh it's in northeast um i think it's off of Lowry or near sorry you know what disregard me saying (laughs) just look up knit and bolt um and it was pretty great um but what I like about it is that the staff there have a really great eye for um special yarn like really great like selection in different types but also like really um with the times (laughs) it's not a it's not a whole bunch of you know Holly acrylics. <laughs> There's nothing of that sort. It's a little bit more special. Also, the fabrics, though, because I'm someone who likes to sew, I love their quilting cotton because it is so unique and special, and it is not at all like what I ever find anywhere else. And maybe it's because I don't go to lots of the quilting shops, but this is a young, it's a younger staff people like pulling up really great um, patterns. I also like their projects. They have a whole little area where you can like learn different crafts. They have classes. Um, at one point, I picked up a rug, a jelly roll rug that I had never heard of what a jelly roll rug was in, in a quilt formation. I picked it up and carried it around like a baby until I could talk to someone about it and get the pattern for it. I, that's how much it really like spoke to me because I just like, I like what they choose. I like how they edit. I like how small and focused their store is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it is highly curated, which I think um, maybe, you know, wouldn't fit for everybody. But it did seem like they had a focus on having things that were in a very wide range of sizes and a very wide range of um, skill sets and interests, at least for their sewing projects. The mm-hmm. knitting projects, they didn't have a lot of, they had a few kits, but mostly it was just like skeins of yarn. Whereas for the sewing stuff, they had lots and lots of samples, which I think is probably what you have to do in order for people to have a sense of what the pattern is for, you know? Correct. Whereas yeah. the, the knitting, it's a little easier to kind of imagine what you're going to do with the yarn. What I like about the edited look of this store is, you know, it's edit to amplify. You, because there isn't the table, the row table of pattern books, which I'm not judging those at all because that, that's kind of magic to also go through whenever you go to a local store or even like a Joanne Fabrics and you're like, Butterick Patterns, let's do mm-hmm. that. Simplicity, I'm on it. There's a joy in that. And I've worked in fabric stores, so that's why I love it. But um, going to this small edited shop, I got to learn about other pattern makers that are not, they're not big or I might have heard about them on the internet and I've never had the chance to buy their patterns, but I got to see their patterns there and you could buy them there. Mm-hmm. So I felt like it was bringing the best of the internet to me mm-hmm. 
and that I know that I could take another friend there. I took my sister there, mm-hmm. and you don't sew, but nope. you were like, I could do this. I could be, I could see these things, I, or this feels like something I'm interested in. Yeah. Versus a butterick pattern, which can be really complicated. You really have to be advanced to get you know far enough in those things, and that's not the point of making things. The point of making things is to feel motivated to learn a new skill set. And I felt like a lot of the stuff that they had shown in that store all felt like things I could do. Mm-hmm. Everything from the mitten, knitting mittens all the way to like, here's a rug. And I'm like, word, mm-hmm. I can make this. Like, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. I felt like, um, they did have some more complicated patterns, but most of the patterns were really meant to be something that you could with a little bit of tutoring on like how you set up a machine um, you wouldn't have to be a master to be able to follow, which I think is really important in sewing because unlike knitting where you can, if you make a mistake, you just tear it out and nobody ever knows the difference. <laughs> like if you sew something and you've cut your fabric and you cut your fabric incorrectly because the pattern didn't tell you what type of fabric, like you bought the wrong fabric, you, Uh, the grain right yeah Yeah. like any of these things like there's all these ways that you can make a mistake that you can't come back from I feel like the the cost the energy cost to start it is higher so it was really nice to see that there were pieces that you could theoretically make that wouldn't take you forever and that in the end would still look cool like still be a piece that you would actually want to wear and use um, or in the case of the rug that you uh, bought the pattern for, uh, use as opposed to wear. <laughs> but yes, it was it was really great, and I forget about that store sometimes because it's not. It's not a cheap Joann's. There's not a coupon deal. There's not, <laughs> you know. But also when you go into a Joann's, there's like this overwhelm of like, well, I can also get my pumpkins and my cinnamon bark, and I'm gonna make a weird wreath, and I need a frame, and like there's a million things to do there. And this place is like, I'm here to see something different, and I'm here to buy stuff, you know, to get my project off, you know, the ground. Yeah, so, I really liked it. I'm really glad you enjoyed it too. I did, and I am super excited. So I bought one of their fabrics that was on sale, like a remnant fabric, um, for actually making um, bento bags or um, wrapping for Christmas gifts. Um, so we've talked before about how both of us are trying. At some level, I don't want to say that I'm like putting my everything I've got into it because uh, that would not be honest. But uh, we're both trying to get away from single use uh, materials, single use plastics, um, and various other consumable things that you can only use one time. Um, so they had some Christmas fabrics that they had um, small segments of. So I had uh, I got a little over one yard of a fabric. Um, that has it's navy blue and it has sort of I don't know what you describe mid century modern yeah mid century <laughs> modern um, ornaments uh, Christmas trees and wrapped gifts on it in um, pink and an orangey red and white so the color scheme is awesome um, it's uh, you know it's kitschy and cute but also like I said I think something that if I make some, if I make a bag out of it, somebody could reuse that as a purse or as a gift bag for somebody else, and it'll be pretty durable and resistant. Before you go on, I have mm-hmm. to talk about the 
what's on the selvage of this, and I also wanted to say oh, yeah. who, who the brand was. Um, so this is Melody Miller, mm-hmm. um, and it says it's been made in Japan. But Melody Miller, along with other, um, I don't want to say like indie artists because these are still like massive produced things. But um, in the selvage of this fabric um, by Melody Maker, there is. Um, as far as what's on the selvage, it's almost to the edge. It isn't the actual selvage, but right prior to it, they band it. And different people who've quilted knows that there's like certain brands of um, prints, calico prints and stuff like that, that have like selvage printed with information or even like their, um, their test printing to ensure mm-hmm. that there's calibrated color print. But what's great about this one is that it says Noel you could cut the selvage off of this and make a ribbon. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was such a well-placed selvage print, which is technically, they're just getting their register together. Mm-hmm. But they've made an effort to make it usable. Amen. That made me really happy. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that, that was really awesome. I think you bought... Um, I bought a similar a one, but it's more celestial print. pattern. Yeah. But I believe it's also by uh, Melody Maker. Melody so, Miller? I'm sorry, Melody Baker. That's a magazine in the UK. Um, <laughs> Melody Miller, sorry. Um, yeah, let me confirm this. Yes, Melody Miller. Wow. Wow, guys. Applejack. <laughs> I've calmed down. I did not finish my entire cup this time. But um, <laughs> uh, what I do really like, though, is this. That it was just such a creative way to do your registration print. And it's mm-hmm. a, the fact that you could tie something up with that is really sweet. Yeah, so, it's awesome. It's a freebie. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, a free little fun thing at the edge. Um, and then the other thing that I bought, I actually don't have a specific plan for, but I could not buy it for a couple of reasons. It's so wild. This I love it. is a print that is called um, Science Fair. And this is by um, Studio RK for Robert Kaufman, which I oh, have it's a Robert Kaufman. Sorry, yeah. Robert Kaufman's a big, uh, cotton, it's a cotton quilting group. Well, how about that? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was like, ah, I'm talking about it, but Robert Kaufman, they sell Robert Kaufman prints and things like that at, uh, Joann's and other mm-hmm. large retailers, but the, their library, their archive, like not archive, but their, um, their line mm-hmm. is massive. There's different qualities, different artists, different everything. I love that this was a, that this print exists. <laughs> yeah, so this one, um, like I said, it's called Science Fair. And it is a bright yellow sort of lawn and with uh, just a plain black print on it. So it's just two colors. And it has little symbols next to the names of, the last names of various famous scientists and their year of their birth. And the picture matches to the thing that they discovered. So there's a picture of a light bulb, and it says Edison, 1847. Um, let's see, uh, Mendelbro, uh, 1924, who's um, the mathematician who described fractals. Um, Mendel, 1822, and it's next to a peapod because Gregory Mendel discovered um, uh, Mendelian genetics. So he discovered uh, the genetics that control flower color on peas, and he came up with basically the idea of what is a gene that can Amazing. be transmitted from generation to generation. But the real reason that I got <laughs> this, because originally I looked at it, and I was like, oh, that's such a cute print. Like, it's so cool. Um, is that there's a very specific thing on here that meant a lot to me, which is that there is a picture of the double helix of DNA 
and it was not credited on here to the men who received the Nobel Prize for it, Watson and Crick, it is credited to Rosalind Franklin, who was the X-ray crystallographer who generated the crystal from which the DNA structure, the structure of DNA was divined. Um, Rosalind Franklin, uh, born in 1920, you know, a lot of people have said that they really felt like she should have gotten the Nobel Prize. Um, she is not the only woman who has gotten overlooked for a Nobel <laughs> and whose male bosses got it instead. Um, but I really liked that uh, this print credited her for the work that she did, um, along with uh, Ada Lovelace for um, mathematics and uh, Marie Curie for the discovery of, um, um, I keep wanting to say radiography, radiation. <laughs> I was like, it's radiation, right? And then you're yes. like, radiography, but you went, you went science-y with it. Yeah. So anyway, um, so that's, that's what I was super excited about. So I don't know what I'm going to make with it just yet, but it is awesome. Um, there's, I'll, I'll try to quickly talk through what I purchased today. I'm definitely a fan of, there's a lot of things I want for free. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that I will go, the, I will spend more money trying to get something free <laughs> than anybody else I know. Like, I'm like, well, but if we did over, if we walked over here and we did something else, blah, 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 blah. And if I went online, if I signed up for this thing with a weird email address, it's free. <laughs> but it's not free. So there are times where I want a lot of things for free, but whenever I see a pattern and I can tell that it's been, it's thoughtful, it's beyond my knowledge, I'm paying. I am paying for it. I don't care. I, I immediately just like don't want to fight it. I just want to pay for it. So I saw this rug that I carried around. It was a quilted rug. So instead of like a rag rug, like a lot of us growing up, um, rag rugs, and they still, I, I have rag rugs right now in the house, but those spiral ones called mm-hmm. jelly rolls. We had many of them growing up. I remember we had a giant one mm-hmm. upstairs at yeah. our mom and dad's house at the bar. They're kind of magical when you're a kid because you just stare at them. They're serpentine style. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of a lot of things like happening. On. So anyways, seeing rag rugs, they're cool, but I had never seen a quilted one. Something that had been quilted and soft and just I immediately was like this is great for a kid. Like it's a great play mat. This is mm-hmm. a great lightweight thing because it's not like one of those heavy rag rugs you could pack this in your car for a picnic like you could do I just my mind went everywhere with it Mm -hmm. so anyways um the jelly roll rug squared is the pattern I bought um and this one is by RJ Designs and it's just a it's essentially going through how to make this with you know certain size um cuttings of cotton fabric cotton quilting fabrics and Oh, I definitely just opened up the, the pattern or into the booklet and it said, relax, let your machine do the job. See, I need someone to tell me that. I'm going to pay for someone to tell me to relax. I'm going to do that. Um, but what I loved about it was like, I didn't, I didn't decide to like up the ante and do the whole jelly roll, like big wide round rug, because it turns out I need a lot more surface area to level the machine out. Just like if you ever think of an industrial sewing machine, those are on large tables. There's a reason sewing machines were ever installed on their own table it was to make sure that the surface area was clear and smooth for sewing with your with your needle needle yeah and that just helps like sewing you know taffeta gowns it helps with sewing up shirts you know like you unnecessarily add in some shaping (laughs) to your pieces when they fall off of your um the the arm so anyways um 
there's a lot to be said about that jelly roll rug that I'm like, I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. I'm not ready for this yet. But I will definitely get the jelly roll rectangular rug because that one will be less um, affected by my current sewing situation. Um, so I was really excited about that. I also bought, sorry to make a, a little bit of plastic noise, but I even bought the on a roll organic cotton um, filling for the jelly roll rugs. I also might be so late to this party. There might be people listening going, old news. But I hadn't been to this store and I did not see it the last time I was there. So I'm into it now. Um, but I love that. I just love that I was able to buy the exact pieces. Of course, of course I went through it in my mind. Like, I can cut this. I can do it myself. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just do it the right way the first time. And I'll figure <laughs> it out from here. And I definitely, like, I had a moment with a girl who was running the store that night and she's like, oh, yeah, you can use these other parts. You know, the, like, I'm giving her suggestions. She's like, yeah, you can do it that way. Or you should, you could try it. And then I was like, who am I? <laughs> I have never done this. I'm just going to follow her lead and do the exact project as pers- as prescribed. <laughs> so I was really happy with that. Um, I didn't buy anything else, but I definitely am going to go back because I felt like their stock kind of moved a little bit faster than I had saw it last time. So I felt like it was... It definitely had new stuff. I can see that people go there. Um, I also like that their fat quarters and other things like that actually reflected the fabrics they had right then and there. So I felt like, oh, these are really good for scraps if I need it. They had a whole fat quarter area where you could pick and choose colors if you needed some fill-ins. Um, I really like that a lot. So yeah. there's a lot more to, to to mine there. Yeah. So I'm excited to get started on my sewing journey. I don't, like I said, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but I'm probably going to start with bento bags because it seems achievable. Yes. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we'll see how that goes. I feel like we can, we can work this out. It's going to be good. Um, so are you ready for some gold stars? I am. You want to go first? I will go first. And you're going to have to correct me if I say something wrong. But I'm gonna do my best because I am not a knitter. I'm not of this oh, world. Okay, I was gonna say, what do you, what, what could you think you were what? gonna do wrong? So I'm gonna give my gold star. Is it Arne and Carlos? I think so. I think that's what it's. It's it, either Arne or Arna. Arne. I. But yeah, these guys were the keynote, the openers of Vogue Knitting Live at 12:30. They kicked off the session, and they're two guys from Norway. And they have a fun following because, I'll say for two things, I know them, and I say I don't know them, but I know them, I know of them because they've helped design yarns called uh, magic knitting, magic socks or Mm -hmm. magic knitting um, styles. So they helped design this yarn to be dyed in a certain format, which based on some of the things that we've talked about before previously on other episodes, like... Wool and the Gang's Magic Socks. They had the animal print on them. They're by Regia. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an Italian company, and they have patterned yarns so that as you knit them up into their socks, into a very specific pattern, a pattern evolves. Something amazing shows up. So we actually got to witness the guys who helped do this back in, like, the 90s mm-hmm. and design it off of paintings um, from Edward Munch from uh, Norway and it was really great because they had just such dry dry fucking humor that we were in stitches like also literally oh my god stitches I hate myself right now Um, (laughs) but also when you were talking about the jelly roll rug and you said I'm not ready I almost said for that jelly Jelly. I'm not ready for this jelly shut up oh my god Um, (laughs) 
But I held myself back, but apparently not for very long. No, <laughs> still came out. Um, but what was great about it was just that, you know, we know of their yarns, we know of this company, we know of, like their big product. I was not prepared for their humor. I was not prepared for how dry and funny they were. Also, they're from Norway, and Minnesota is a whole lot of Scandinavia going on. So, like, they're making some jokes, and we're all like, yeah, we bitch about the winter all day. Like, we love being cold here, too. We love complaining about it. We love, you know, sweating it out next to a fire and then finding another way to get cold. Like, that is a jam up here. (laughs) And so they're making jokes that I'm like, still funny for all these people here who are from Minnesota or from this region. And then on top of that, they also had... um, you know, besides making fun of themselves and their story and how they, you know, where they live and how they do their projects and how they got inspired, they also talked about, like, their success in a funny way. Like, oh, we have this book. And it was, like, our first book for, you know, doing knitted ornaments. And it said, literally, knit ball, like... Balls to knit. Balls to knit. (laughs) (laughs) The publisher didn't revise. Like, they took a photo of these two guys also making their terrible like Norwegian neutral faces neutral faces <laughs> and they are in giant you know holiday sweaters they're knitting up some holiday shit it's all Christmassy and it just says Arne and Carlos balls to knit <laughs> and so then the guys I think it said Christmas balls to knit but Christmas still. Ball, it still said balls to, the largest words were balls to knit on the <laughs> yeah. entire cover yeah. of the book and what I loved about it was just that they were like, our balls are very famous. <laughs> we then had to make our balls bigger. <laughs> we, our balls are in museums. Our balls are like, and I was like, I'm dying, I'm dying. And there's just like, I'm sure there's a grandmother somewhere in there just melting into her chair. Like, oh, I brought my daughter. Why? You know? But um, they just did such a good presentation. They made us all laugh. And what I love also about it is that they continued to like make fun of the things that have happened to them in their career. Like the publisher did this. That was not our idea, but it's pretty funny. Let, let's, let's roll with it. Or <laughs> we wanted to name these yarn stories, these color stories of these, you know, ideas, you know, off of the paintings, like the kiss, the vampire, the scream. And they're like, no, that's scary. We can't do that. Well, what should we call it? Just call it vegetable garden. We don't care. So they did. They called it a vegetable <laughs> garden. Like, so you have to, you know, very be, be, be careful about what you say. Cause sometimes it will be taken very literally. Um, but they just showed great, um, humor and flexibility in their career. And I really appreciated them just adding a great deal of lightness to something that could be taken, you know, really seriously. People get really into these products. They're reflections of themselves. They're, um, things that we take all great pride in. You know that it was a C and B scene place. Like it was, everyone wore their most knitted thing on Friday. I couldn't believe, I was like, okay, there, yep, you made that. Yep, you made that. There's people who pushed themselves into sweaters they made one time that that, does, that doesn't fit them anymore. Like sausage, beautiful sausage casings. Like there was beautiful stuff. I also, I got to give it up. There was a lot of partners there that showed up supportive of their partners wearing a lot of handmade goods. I was just like, you don't wear this every day, but I dig your head. You're not head to toe, but your tummy to head <laughs> look from your partner. Like you, you were killing it with a hat, this really hot sweater, by the way, everyone was sweating at one point. And I was just like, there's a lot of great people here. And it just, it was a great start to that whole show. Um, I know you felt the same cause we definitely both talked about this. So but I really look forward to um, seeing what else those two dudes come up with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think uh, my gold star 
is kind of vague, but I appreciate that um, it seems like there is a lot of super beginner-friendly stuff that I saw both at Vogue Knitting Live, but also at the shop, uh, Knit and Bolt. And um, it's the season now. I like the season of making things for other people. I know that's not everybody's jam. I know that um, sometimes people feel uncomfortable receiving things because it isn't, you know, quite what they wanted and they feel some type of pressure to enjoy it or whatever. But I do try to make things that, um, that are small so that I don't feel like I've put a lot of effort into something that's going to make somebody feel guilty if they don't really like it. But I enjoy the act of making things and I enjoy the act of giving those things away. And there, it, I feel like Christmas is uh, this season in general, it's easy. It's relatively easy to find something that you can give somebody that um, doesn't take necessarily a whole lot of skill to make, but it still is really cool. Like uh, today, we saw um, felt ornaments that you can cut out and stuff and stitch together, and it really doesn't take a, a huge amount of skill to do that. Um, and now that is like a cozier time of year. I know like Miranda was saying, everybody loves to bitch about it being cold, but also we had beef stew for dinner and it was delicious and cozy. And I loved it. Um, <laughs> Along with our mulled apple cider mm-hmm. beverage. Um, and so the idea of like, you know, making these little uh, felt things for people um, with the, the limited sewing skill set that I have, like it has, it feels nice. It feels cozy. Um, and uh, actually, it comes back to something that Arne and Carlos yes. had said, which is that um, they, of course, they were making a joke about how um, the Danes really stole everybody's thunder by talking about hygge, but <laughs> that uh, in Norwegian, they have a word called kushli, I think, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't quite directly translate as cozy, but it does sort of describe the... This the, warm feeling. This, the feeling of, like wanting to be warm in the activities that you do when it is cold outside to become warm. And that's kind of, you know, I like that. I do. I know, like, there are a lot of folks who don't like winter. I love winter. I love fall. I'm all right with <laughs> I'm it. really all right with it. Um, and it just seemed like this, the stuff that we did this weekend really matched up well with my personal, you know, this being the time of year that I really like. So... And I like, and I do really like that a lot of it is, um, beginner friendly, that it's something that you can kind of pick up and do and you can scale it up or down depending on the time that you have and the ability that you have and the risks that you're willing to take. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's my gold star. I think that's a great gold star. You, you pulled through on that one. I was definitely like, oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know where you were going, but you brought it back together. Well, and I half stole your idea. So that's why I was like, not half. I totally stole your original one because you were like, that's a good one. I'm, yeah, it is. I'm going to talk about that one. Um, but what I like with you on this whole like beginner thing is the whole point of why we have this pot. Ooh, we got a dog scratching on the door. Mm-hmm. We've taken too long. It's time to wrap it up. Wrap it up, B. Um... What I think is really important and what comes back to the reason we do this podcast is that we talk a lot about what crafts mean to us and how good it feels to make things. And this really is the season, whether whether you like it or not, to make things. This is what it's about. And it's not about what you spend. It's about your time and your effort half the time. The other thing about it is like 
people expect some handmade things. This isn't a time for the most polished gift. That's birthdays. You know, those are our anniversaries. Those are polished special gifts. But holidays, you're making food. Mm -hmm. You're bringing people together. You're throwing a party or you're putting together something to help people decorate. Like, I mean, half the stuff my mom, and I say my mom like she's not your mom. (laughs) Our mom saved all these Christmas ornaments. And at at one point, I was so upset that I was like, why did you keep all of this stuff? But then when she brought it to me, I cried. I cried about it because so many people made us ornaments. Mm -hmm. And half of them are made with pipe cleaners. And I still love them. And it took me a moment to really understand, like, someone... Because at the time, I didn't. When I was in my early 20s, I was like, they weren't very good, were they? (laughs) You know, like, ugh, hot glue, gross. But meanwhile, here I am, I open those boxes now, and I'm like, someone really thought about me. Mm-hmm. They thought about our family. I don't have a Christmas tree. Shit, what am I going to do? But God bless all these people made something. I, it really, it's a different effort, mm-hmm. and it really means something, even if it doesn't last. So now is the time to pick up that hot glue gun and get some <laughs> shit done. And you know what? I'm going to give another gold star real quick. I know we got to wrap this up, but you know what? We haven't talked for a month, so get get over it, everyone. Um... I did a event with a local um, homeless shelter, like a it's trying, a family shelter. It's a family shelter, and this homeless shelter has this ho- uh, family shelter has a separate group just for kids. And it's called Passages, and it's a reading tutor group. Um, and you know, a couple of my coworkers work there, and they love it, and they try to you know bring those kids out ever so often to like do different activities away from the you know the main place where everyone goes and meets and stuff and it's really cool it's very well connected and I had dumpster dived at work all this fake fur and it had been get thrown away like a couple like a month or two ago and every time I saw a piece in there I would get into the the trash bin and pull it out because I've worked at a fabric store and the most expensive thing at a fabric store is fake fur well, I take that back. Velvet lace, then fake fur. Number three is expensive. And that's the one that is so exciting for kids. It is so great for costumes. It's so great for like these weird, like tactile, imaginary, you know, world, right? So I had taken all of this because I was like, we got to give this to kids to make Halloween costumes with, or we got to do something. And my coworker who worked at this shelter um, tutor program Brought in just a couple girls, and we made purses. Like, our, my coworker, Mariette, had uh, designed the purse that we were going to build. She brought in her serger and her sewing machine. Nice. And made it, like, she, like a pro. I've never seen these girls so excited. These kids came in like, oh, yeah, we're going to make some stuff at Target. Okay, whatever. Like, oh, you know, there's a weird thing about, like, everyone in this area is, like, Target, big deal. But these kids are sitting in this room, and they're like, oh, this cool. This is cool. This is the Cat Jack brand room. Oh, wait. You know, like, that's really pretty. I love this shirt. I love this skirt. And then when we're like, we're going to make fur purses, the girls just about fell out of their chairs. They're like, can we keep them? I'm like, yeah, you can keep them. And they were just like, oh, my friends are going to be so jealous. And I was like, it's not even much about your friends being jealous. It's about you showing your friends next. And they're like, you're right. Like, these little kids, some little, some a little older, were just like, you're right. I can show them. And so we made um, purses and then I just helped hot glue fur onto notebooks. Very uh, 
very clueless in mm-hmm. style. Uh, Alicia Silverstone to the max for pencils, for notebooks. I just did the I just did the notebook part, but I went through it with each girl, and I was like, "This is how we do it. This stuff is dangerous. You gotta be careful how you place this." I was like, but do you think you can show your, your friends now? Can you make this stuff for, you know, the next birthday or for Christmas? And they were like, yeah, 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 this is great. And it was just such a special moment because it was about beginner stuff. It's absolutely beginner stuff. And all the girls before leaving, they took all the fur home. They stuffed up their bags and their other things. <laughs> they were like, we got to take this home. And I was like, okay, show your friends. Like, I don't care who takes it, but I'm so excited that you that you figured it out. And one, like, one of the kids is five. They ain't going to figure it out much more than like this, but they're at least going to take that stuff home. And maybe them and their family are going to make something. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they have an older brother or sister that they can do stuff with. And I just, I sometimes forget how important it is to just do the project, to just start something, or have someone to take the time to show you how to do it. But it makes a huge difference in your, you know, your self-esteem and what you're mm-hmm. capable of. So, yep. beginners... Beginner projects. Amen. Yep. That was really long-winded, but uh, I really think it's important. So, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, thank you guys for your patience while we were away. Um, We shouldn't have left you so long, but (laughs) we're back, um, and we are going to try to be on schedule. Yes. We'll see how that goes. You know, the holiday times are a little tougher than some of the other times, but... We're going to try to do it. And we are coming up on crunch time. There's a lot of things happening at once, so we're going to do our best to continue to stay on top of these things that we've been talking about. And Gold Star stuff, that's... I'm personally needing to get that shit done. I need to make something. Um, Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to find us, the best place to find us is Instagram. That's where we're the most active. Um, And we are on Instagram as Stitchcraft Sisters. Uh, we also have our website, stitchcraftsisters.com, where you can look up all of our show notes, where we link to all the things that we talk about. Um, and we are also on Ravelry. I'm on Ravelry as um, Trouble City. And we do have a group, but we don't really use it because I think our crafts are a little too broad for just Ravelry. But we'll see. Maybe it'll pick up in the future. I mean, at Vogue knitting live people are like well you know ravelry and i'm like yeah okay we got it everyone is on ravelry that are in these areas so yeah yeah so we're we're i'm on there but we'll pick it back um, on. <laughs> yeah but i think yeah it just because it isn't such a great i don't know what to use for the other crafts but i guess that's what the website and instagram is for it seems like everybody's on instagram so we're gonna keep doing that um and hopefully we will see you guys in another two weeks Yay! Bye! Bye!